Welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. This podcast is presented by the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation and hosted by our CEO, Jamie Irvin. At the Heavy Duty Consulting Corporation, we work with manufacturers, distributors, and repair shops who want to grow their business. Do you have a problem that you would like some help with? We have developed fault codes for heavy duty parts businesses, just like they have for commercial trucks. Find out how many fault codes your business has and how you stack up against dozens of other heavy-duty parts businesses. Head to heavydutyconsulting.com and schedule a meeting with us today. All right, let's start this episode. You're listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and this is the place where we have conversations that empower heavy-duty people. August 20th to 26th, 2023 is break week. Not that long ago, we did an entire episode dedicated to SCAM foundation breaks. Today, we're going to talk about air disc brakes. And to do so, my guest is an expert in air disc brakes. I'm really excited to have Mike Conrad, president of Bremsgirl, on the show today. Mike, welcome to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. So glad to have you here. Thanks, Jamie. Looking forward to it. Right. So we were introduced by a uh, mutual colleague in the industry. That's what I love about this industry. It's filled with great people and you, you're you usually only one degree of separation. So maybe let's start off our conversation today um, to give people just an idea of like, where are we at with air disc brake in 2023 in the commercial vehicle space? Yeah, certainly. And I and I think you had a previous episode, if I'm not mistaken, with Stephen uh, Roberts from BBB. Had a lot of the... Uh, facts on the head in terms of adoption rates, um, things of that nature. But we're certainly seeing a pickup on, on air disc brake by a lot of national fleets. And then it's rolling over into, you know, second generation as well. Really is dependent on the type of fleet at the end of the day. A lot more vocational fleets, specking disc, and then more and more uh, line haul over the road operators as well. Right. When I was selling parts, um, pretty much it was buses and that was it. And now what, what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot more tractors and trailers with air disc brakes. So when you talk about vocation, what are some of the vocations that are really driving adoption of air disc brake? Yeah, I would say the two biggest ones that we see are ready mix and refuse. Okay. And what makes those particular vocations get more out of an air disc brake than an SCAM? Like what, what, what performance enhancements were they looking for? Yeah, I'd say certainly from the the customers that we do business with out there, a lot of them are safety oriented. They all run heavy. uh, So they want to be able to stop. A lot of these guys stop frequently and and safety was was a big priority for them. And I'd say secondly, what we're seeing a lot of is is the ease of change in brake pads over changing uh, traditional drum brake lining shoes. Yeah, I mean... There is over 24 parts in the uh, dual pin design for SCAM, and that's not including the brake kit that has hardware and two shoes. So there's a lot of a lot of moving parts. Disc is certainly a lot easier. You know, one of the things we talked about in our episode uh, on SCAM, we actually brought back a uh, original interview that we did all the way back in 2019 with uh, former president of Marathon Brake. Um, he's now since retired. And he was talking with SCAM Brakes about the the realities of fade and and how that uh, performance characteristic is. Now, what's the main difference between like an SCAM brake and how it fades under uh, extreme temperature and brake application versus an air disc brake? Yeah, disc brake. I mean, inherently the design, you, you don't have the same type of fade characteristics as you would with a drum brake. That being said, you could still have some fade characteristics dependent on the materials that 
that a person's using in the application. But just like your passenger car, when they went from drum brake to disc brake, the fade issues pretty much went away. So if safety is an issue, like you said, with ready mix or with refuse, especially refuse, you're, you're driving in people's neighborhoods all the time. You know, obviously there's that safety component. Let's talk about total cost of operation. So you already alluded to the fact that maintenance costs are driven up by the number of parts that you have to replace and I, and the associated labor. Um, what other uh, ways do air disc brake lower the total cost of operation for fleets? Yeah, the, the difference in cost between a disc brake system and an SCAM brake system, you know, from a replacement standpoint, if all you're doing is changing brake pads, it's great. But if you have to start digging in and you have to start changing rotors, you have to start changing calipers, then your the cost scenario is not is not really good at the end of the day. You don't want to have to change disc uh, rotors. You don't want to have to change the calipers. And so there's some preventative maintenance that you want to do. You want to be smart in terms of what you do with picking out uh, brake pad selection as well. Okay. So when I was selling parts, one of the things I remember with calipers, there was an issue with core return. And I remember like, if I remember correctly, like you had to have, you had to have like an actual genuine product. It had to be in the original box. Like it was really, it was really a big deal. And like, who still has the box from the core? <laughs> um, but, but apparently that that's what was required. So when it comes to the availability of aftermarket options, what's been the trend with uh, with that? I mean, I assume your company is heavily involved in that. Yeah. Pads, there's lots of options. Uh, rotors, you have two flavors. You have made in America and you have Chinese. You've got some other, other country uh, origin options as well. And then calipers. Calipers are a little challenging. You've got OE, you've got some OE reman, and then you've got some aftermarket reman as well um, that's out there. Cores are a really big challenge, especially for some of the less popular calipers. So when it comes to the different things that would lead to premature failure of rotors and calipers, you mentioned that preventative maintenance is needed. Walk me through that in more detail. So how does a fleet avoid those additional costs and how do they make it so that they just have to change pads and it is a cost uh, improvement for them? Sure. And, you know, when you're talking about, I'll take the brake pad and the rotor combination for a moment. Uh, when you're talking about brake pads, you want to have something that's going to be friendly on the rotor while still being safe. And those exist. One of the biggest things is, I think, a lot of technician training too. I can't tell you the, how many times we've seen in the field where somebody's put a pad in backwards or they let the pad get down to the underlayer or uh, whether that's a mesh or, or NRS fingers or something of that nature where it gets into the rotor. That rotor's trash. Throw it away. You don't have a lot of fleets out there turning rotors at this point in time. Calipers, on the other hand, are a little different story. You know, the, the biggest failure point that we've seen on calipers is really on the slide pin boots. If the technician is looking for tears, if they have a good preventative maintenance cycle, they'll catch these things. But if they don't catch these things, that's when you start getting uh, an ingress of uh, dirt or water and you can start seizing up those slide pins. And when that happens, your caliper's done. Right. So that visual inspection is key to being able to identify those things early, fix them so that they, we don't have the damage done. And then, then you have to replace the whole caliper. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. And, tr and training is real important because most of these technicians that are out there are familiar with SCAM brakes. More and more fleets are getting discs, so they're becoming more familiar with it, but there's still a, uh, a learning curve. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so friction material selection is always a big part of SCAM brakes. When it comes to the disc brakes, how important is it to match like friction to vocation? Super important. You won't necessarily want to use the same friction material for a line haul application that's frequently just going down the highway as you would for a refuse application that might do a thousand stops a day. You have different requirements. Refuse doesn't want any noise. Uh, they have a higher duty cycle. They're going to see higher wheel end temperatures and higher brake temperatures, especially at the interface versus going down the highway. They don't necessarily need something that can handle that uh, repetitive braking cycle. Okay, that makes sense. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. We'll be right back. This episode of the Heavy Duty Parts Report is brought to you by Find It Parts, your ultimate destination for heavy duty truck and trailer parts. Discover a vast range of parts at finditparts.com. Don't spend hours a day looking for parts. Instead, visit finditparts.com and get them right away. Parts availability and quality have a big influence on fleets and owner-operators' total cost of operation. If they can't find a part, it means more downtime. If they install a low-quality part and it fails, it means even more costs like tow bills, hotels, meals for the driver, and lost revenue. That's why we recommend Sampa. They manufacture a wide range of advanced parts for commercial vehicles. Their website has an intelligent product search engine and broad coverage of suspension, steering, and fifth wheel components. Expect more. Expect Sampa. Visit sampa.com today. We're back from our break. Before the break, we were talking about air disc brakes. We're talking about how they are being adopted more and more in the commercial vehicle space here in North America. And we were also talking about some of the key trends when it comes to preventative maintenance and making sure that they actually lead to lower total cost of operation for a fleet. Mike, let's talk a little bit about your company specifically. So maybe you could just give us a little bit of history first, and then we'll talk about some specific products. I've got got a bunch of questions for you. Sure. Yeah. The current company, Bremscroll CV, was born out of the Bremscroll group. So Bremscroll, from a history standpoint, makes friction material for uh, high-speed trains, makes friction material for fan clutch applications, uh, golf carts, elevators, and commercial vehicles, you name it. Uh, the only thing we never entailed into was the automotive market, passenger car. Bremscroll CV, uh, as it stands today, is a uh, spinoff of Bremscroll North America. We separated the businesses so that Bremscroll CV could focus on the commercial vehicle market because we saw an opportunity to uh, really take a narrow focus and expand our offerings in that marketplace to help our end user customers. That's fantastic. So where, where are you located? Uh, do you have multiple air locations or do you cover the whole North America from one central place? Yes. Yeah. We're, we're based uh, in Bartlett, Illinois, right outside of Chicago. Uh, we're responsible for everything in North America, Canada, US, Mexico. Okay. Fantastic. Okay. So um, when it comes to the products that you sell, just give us an overview of the product lineup, just so I make sure I, I haven't missed anything. Yeah, absolutely. So our uh, bread and butter is air disc brake pads. We also are venturing into some other uh, brake-related components. Uh, we've been developing a rotor line. We have a caliper line, uh, and we're slowly rolling out a uh, foundation uh, drum brake line as well. Okay, perfect. So everything breaks. So, okay, let's talk friction material. So I, I didn't sell a lot of air disc brake in my career. It was mostly S-CAM. And there was always like that classic, like we've got good, better, best. Uh, does that exist with air disc brakes as well? or and, and, and is that even real? <laughs> sure. 
Sure, it exists. I mean, <laughs> it's a it's a marketing term all the way. If you know me I'm in the market, I do not like the terminology at all. You know, you you could go out there with the value, the good, better, best. It's it's all salesman speak at the end of the day. So, just like in drum brake linings with disc brakes, there are formulations specific to certain applications, and one of those formulations might just be a existing base material that somebody modified. And that's how friction material manufacturers, how we all come up with things. We might have one really good material. We don't usually go and start from scratch. We take an existing material and we tweak it based on experience, whether that's in the lab or more importantly, out in the field to see how something behaves in an application. And you may have to go back two times. You may have to go back a couple hundred times before you get it right. Right, right. Now, one of the things I remember um, learning about friction material for SCAM brakes was that really the only way to lower the acquisition cost, the purchase price, was to take something out of the material. The, the, all things being equal, you know, the labor and, and all of that, the shipping, that was pretty standard across the board, regardless of who you were buying from. So if you wanted to get cheaper brakes, you had to take it out of something out of the raw materials. It, does that cross over to air disc brake? Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, if from a manufacturing standpoint, you know, it's the same like SCAM brakes. Some people have a better manufacturing process than others and have been able to save money there um, and make it more cost effective to produce. But raw materials is, is definitely a very large portion of, of brake pads or drum brake linings. I mean, look, you have a steel or a cast iron backing plate. Um, metal's a commodity. Then you have lots of different raw ingredients that might go into a brake pad. Those are all commodities as well. Some of them are 10 cents or 20 cents a pound. Some of them cost $25 a pound. Uh, so it really just depends on what you put into the mixture and which percentage you put into the mixture that makes up that whole. But yeah, to answer your question, to reduce a upfront cost, all other things being equal, you'd have to take something out or, or put a lower cost material in there and take one of the more expensive materials out. Right. And, and as soon as you do that, to me, that translates into lower performance or increased wear. Uh, when it comes to brakes, they all have to meet the standard of stopping distances. But the question is for how long before they need to be changed. Is that correct? Correct. I mean, the aftermarket, the only true requirement is an FMVS-121 test. Um, there is no, you know, RSD as it stands today. There's no requirement for the aftermarket. It's an OE only specification. Now, that doesn't mean a supplier in the aftermarket can't go and do the same type of stop distance tests. They certainly can't. Many don't. Right. Many don't. Yeah, that's the scary part. Is the friction material on an air disc brake system basically the exact same friction material on an SCAM just reformulated in a different shape and size? What's the differences? You have a disc brake versus a drum brake application. One, one is inherently different in design than the other without getting into specifics of what goes in the materials. You do have carryovers in terms of the types of raw materials that go into them. But philosophy-wise, a disc brake and a drum brake are different. And so when we develop materials, what we develop for a drum brake lining material is a different development path than what we develop for a disc brake material. Okay. So I know that in um, SCAM brakes, you know, one of the big goals uh, and, and how you can get better performance really is, is how quickly can the friction material dissipate the heat? That, that's a big part of it. Like, what are the differences in actual performance characteristics between the two systems when it comes to things like heat um, and it comes to stopping and, and all of that? Let's just give me, give me a little more there. I just, I want to learn because I, I don't know as much about the air disc as I do about SCAM. 
Yeah. So I, I would say, and you touched on one of them. So I'd say there's two really big fallacies in the marketplace. The first is heat dissipation. Friction material for all intensive purposes is an insulator. You have, if you look at a brake pad, you have almost an inch of material. You have steel backing plate. The heat at the interface between the pad and the rotor is going to find its way out faster through that gray iron rotor than it is through that brake pad. You can put things in a brake pad or in a drum brake lining that could help from a heat transfer standpoint. But generally speaking, the heat is transferring through that drum or through that disc. And so when you talk about disc brakes, uh, that's what a vent is for. Now, you've seen disc brakes with solid, uh, solid disc, and you've seen disc brakes with vents. Most stuff that's out there in the commercial vehicle market has a vent. And the intention of the vent is it draws air in and through centrifugal force is effectively throwing the heat out. Um, and that's why you need the speed of the vehicle to draw that air in when you're going down the highway. So when we're talking about a vocational application, start-stop application, we have a thousand stops. Maybe they're going 10 miles an hour. They don't get the same type of airflow into that wheel end. And so consequently, they, they have higher wheel end temps. Heat is the enemy of all brakes. So, and then I'd say the other thing that the second fallacy we hear all the time is, well, if I want the pad to live or I want the rotor to live, one's got to give. I've got to give something up. And in a lot of cases, that's true. But you can get to a point in which a friction material manufacturer has been able to develop a material that will give you both, can extend that rotor life, and can also extend that pad life at the same time. And there's two real basic philosophies on making friction material. One is abrasive, where the pad is wearing the rotor, and one is called adherent. Basically, it's putting down what we call a film transfer layer. And that film transfer layer, think of it as a, a protectant, and the pad is running on that interface. And so when you switch from one brake pad to another brake pad and you put it on an existing rotor, you have to give that brake pad time to seed into that rotor. You have to give it time to kind of condition that rotor. And there is a point in time where that rotor is too far gone and that's not going to happen. Yeah, that makes sense. So what makes a rotor warp we've all had that experience you get into an older vehicle maybe and you hit those brakes and you get oh man there's a lot of shake what's going on there what has happened is it just that the the rotor perhaps is a a, a poor or low quality steel or is there something else going on there yeah i mean it, it could be that uh it could be uh heat um so there's there's different factors that that contribute to it you don't see a lot of warping in commercial vehicle rotors uh per se more what you're going to see in in Rotor effects is you're going to start seeing heat checks that are going to potentially turn into cracks. And when you start talking about roadside violations that uh, CSA can actually see, they can see cracks and they can see top edges of brake pads, for instance. They no longer have the ability to really see the whole entire brake pad surface um, or anything of that nature. Disc brake pads are a little harder uh, to inspect. Right. But hey, brake <laughs> week is coming up August 20th to 26th. And those are the things they're going to look for if you're running air disc brakes, correct? Correct. Yeah, anything visual. Well, that's really great. So um, when you walk into a fleet, and let's say you're helping one of your customers to sell that fleet, what are the the two or three things that you're going to look for right away to help decide what application or what product you're going to recommend You know, so that it matches product to application? Sure. Yeah, we want to understand how the fleet operates first and foremost. Um, what they do with their vehicles. We want to understand a baseline 
the existing brake pad and rotor combination that they had, what kind of life were they getting? And I say combination for a reason. If you were using OE pad, OE rotor, and you got, say, 400,000 miles of life on that pad, and then you kept the OE pad and you went to an aftermarket rotor, the life may not be the same. And so uh, when you start playing around with different materials, whether you're talking, frankly, anything but brakes, you don't want to change pad and rotor at the same time. And so when we'll go into a fleet and we'll talk with the fleet, even though we offer all these products, we won't say, yes, change pad and rotor at the same time. We'll say, let's take one variable first. Let's prove it. Let's show you what happens. And then we'll talk about the other, the other component. Because if you were to put both components on right out of the gate, then potentially if something didn't work as well as you wanted life-wise, you don't know what contributed to it. Right. Too many variables. Correct. Yeah. So, so the other things we're looking for is what's the baseline? What do they do with their fleet? What kind of issues have they experienced? And that's a hard question to ask, especially with AirDisc, because they don't have a lot of experience. Um, the, the biggest thing we run into is when fleets have switched over from SCAM to DISC, a lot of the manufacturers pushed up DISC and said, oh, you're going to get this great life on, on tractor, this great life on trailer. And they haven't seen anywhere near that. And you also have one other um, factor that's contributing to all this is all the copper-free materials. You know, a lot of the OE materials, not all of them, a lot of them are still have some level of copper. Most of the materials in the aftermarket that we run across are copper-free. You know, you you really only have two states that are pushing the copper-free mandate at the mandate at the moment, but potentially it expands across the United States. Um, we offer. Copper and copper free because copper is a really good material from a high temperature application standpoint. It really helps with life. Um, I will tell you that. And so we have to look at each fleet on a case by case basis. They all operate differently, um, whether they're running their vehicles just an eight hour day or they're running slip seat, for instance, and continually running their vehicles uh, 24 hours a day. Um, so they all have different, all have different issues. My name is Jamie Irvin, and you've been listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. We've had a chance to talk about air disc brakes today in depth, and I just want to thank you so much uh, for sharing all of this information, Mike. Um, really appreciate it. If people want to learn more about your company, what's your website? Sure. Yeah, they can go to bremskrillcv.com, and it's B-R-E-M-S-K-E-R-L-C-V.com. Nice, easy one to spell. We'll make sure that the links are in the show notes so that you can just do a one click and go check them out. Mike, again, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us about Air Disc Break. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for having me on, Jim. HCA Truck Pride is the heart of the independent parts and service channel. They have 750 parts stores and 450 service centers conveniently located across the U.S. and Canada. Visit heavydutypartsreport.com slash Pride today to find a location near you. Again, that's heavydutypartsreport.com slash Pride and let the heart of the independent service channel take care of your commercial equipment.